0: Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our level three courses. When and I tried to sit down and do some big swanky radio advert and it's just not us. So I'm just going to chat about it for a minute. So our level three training is the same price as some other courses out there where you just get five days and you are out the door, do your coursework on your own. Our course is for the same price is 10 days of training so for our may cohort that's five days and then we have a bit of a month off to just let that settle we come back for a weekend maybe do a bit of camping then we have a bit more time off and then we come back for another weekend with the september group we do five mondays starting in september then we have a bit of a break then we come back in the new year and do another five so we're really like focusing on building community as we go We didn't really want to do that, like, conveyor belt thing. We could be doing, you know, a level three course every school holiday, banging them out, off you go, but we don't want to do that. We do Zoom calls throughout the year. We do loads of, like, cohort, you know, community building sessions and stuff to help people with what they're doing, and that means that we want to do it well rather than doing lots of it. So we're trying to help people do that, and we're also really big on this community aspect, and we found that people not only find the course easier to do in terms of workload, but also easier to do emotionally when they do it with somebody they already know. So to try and encourage that we're doing a train together kind of offer. So if you and someone else, you know, sign up to do the course with us together, we'll give you some money off your course because we found that it, the uh, success rate is much higher, people are much happier while they're doing the course. And it makes our life easier as tutors because, you know, happy students, motivated students, we're all kind of getting on together. So, if you want to be part of a community rather than just being put through a conveyor belt, then have a look at our website. It goes to myforestschooltraining.co.uk. That'll take you to the Children of Forest website, and uh, you can go from there, get your application in, and uh, join our communities. So, on with the podcast. I'm Wem. And I'm Lewis.
1: This is the Forest School Podcast. Let's go.
0: Hey lovely people, lovely waffle merchants, uh, we are back, we are back from the conference, got back last week, uh, unfortunately uh, Wem has come down with a bit of a cough, a bit of a fluey thing, which means that uh, we were going to do this recording together, but you are stuck with just me as a bit of an audio guide as we go through the conference. Um, it was a great conference, great to see loads of people, great to hear loads of talks, Um, we were in a big old windy marquee thing for some of the talks so apologies uh, some of the recording on the longer speeches isn't great and there's a little bit of flapping of a tent but um, you know we're not the highest quality podcast around anyway so you know you get what you pay for this first bit you're gonna hear is us just sat uh, in our seats as people sort of mill into the conference into the uh, Uh, speaker's tent and uh, it's just Wem and I chatting it took us six and a half hours of driving to get there so uh, this is the morning after we arrived in the dark Um, great atmosphere though everybody's super welcoming it just meant you couldn't see who anybody was until you got within about three foot of them so there's all these conversations I had with people and I apologise if you're one of these people that I talked to for a long time I might not have known who you are for the entire conversation but you know also, just say that this is going to be part one, uh, we're going to have a second part of the uh, conference recordings. We've got a few more bits. Uh, Wem and I are going to do another song war, so we're going to be both going to um, write a song about something that happened or an idea we had at conference. Uh, and also we've got a recording of the Neurodiversity and Forest School panel, um, which we really want to share with everybody. And we didn't want it to get lost in this quite big recording, so we're going to break it up. There's quite a lot here to get your teeth into and then Uh, In a week or so, uh, there'll be another recording that you can get your teeth into as well, so enjoy! Here they all come, the procession of people
1: (laughs) The delegates enter the conference marquee
0: Okay, there's a good... there's there's not many good facts. this year
1: I've seen there
0: a couple of good hats. hats. Last seen, I can see a witchy hat.
1: Felted witchy hat. Lots but, of hats that look like people who were wearing them had made them, which I'm always impressed
0: by. Although, to be fair, when we got here it was raining. People are less likely oh, to wear their, their hats felted. Might have got soggy. the fashions of Forest
1: School. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, I've got a little... Is it like you know, a little meme that's like, yeah. steal, steal their look? Yeah, and also, you know, um, the kind of how to dress your child for Forest School memes about, you know, the layers the photo. Oh yeah, the layers. The photo. Yeah. You could do funny ones for how to dress your Forest School
0: leader. Oh, you know. I mean, I think that needs to be in the conference book look next year, I next to the does. what to bring.
1: Yeah, or one of those dolls that... Oh, it's before your time, but... Um, Back in my day! A paper doll. A paper doll with the little foldy bits so you can dress them in different clothes.
0: I've seen them in museums. Yes. It's strong. It's filling up.
2: All anxiety slip from my mind. All let slip from my shoulders. All anxiety slip from my mind. I let every shackle be loosened I let every shackle be loose. I let every shackle be loosened I let every shackle be loose. I'll let every shackle be loosened I'll let every shackle be loosened I'll let every shackle be loosened I'll let every shackle be loose. OK, so now this bit, you guys over there, can you be towers of strength? So you're going to go... I am a tower of strength within and without I am a tower of strength within... Maybe we can have a few more people in that. I am a tower of strength within and without, I am a tower of strength within. Keep going. I am a tower of strength within and without, I am Keep a tower going. of strength within. You're going to do. I am a tower of strength slip from my shoulders, all anxiety slip from my mind. All where slip like Churchill- from my shoulders. all anxiety sits from my mind. All devil, sit from my shoulders. all from am devil, my shoddy- am Conseller- please, from my shoulders. all from my Is my shoulder? I is this my I is this my mind. I is this
1: from my
3: shoulder? this So yeah, obviously then you can sing it.
0: Yeah, listeners, that was a bit of a song that was recorded uh, on the Saturday evening around a campfire, you can probably hear a bit of crackling going on, uh, I've recorded a couple of songs actually, so I've sort of dotted them through uh, the next thing you're about to hear is a, uh, a speech uh, by Lucy Jones who's an author who came in uh, she's somebody who wrote the book Losing Eden and um, she talked quite a lot about you know collecting all the studies and sort of bringing all the evidence together for people like us who are on the ground, literally and metaphorically, to use in sort of advocating for our work. Um, This is one of the ones that I've said, slightly flappy noise, um, hopefully it's tolerable. Uh, Yeah, enjoy.
4: Between contact and connection with the natural world and human health and well-being, particularly psychological health, um, for my books that Losing Eden and the Nature Seed. Um, and today I want to spend um, some of the time sharing with you some of the most compelling um, and exciting evidence um, for why we need a relationship with nature. Public health and individual health, and how that links to forest school, and why it makes what you do so valuable. Um, I want to suggest that regular seti- uh, sessions in a natural setting, within the framework of forest school, and a relationship with nature is not a luxury. I want to argue that it's essential for the health and well-being of the individual and for um, our very in need of a society. Um, I got into this area about 10-12 kind of years ago. I was living in London. Um, I was quite uh, highly stressed I was in my mid-twenties. I was working as a journalist um, in a national paper, um, barely seeing daylight, no contacts with connection with nature. Um, and I was self-medicating with alcohol and substances. I was uh, suffering from depression and anxiety. And I went into recovery and I found four things really helped me. The first really quite straightforward, uh, psychotherapy, uh, psychiatry, and support groups um, with my friends and family. But the fourth thing was a bit more mysterious, and that's what set me on my my journey. Um, so I knew that kind of running could boost your mood and, and give you endorphins. So I started going running on Walthamstow Marshes, which is um, a beautiful space. Do any of you know it? Yeah. Um, it's it's just amazing. I I'd kind of go there for a for a run, but I'd end up just walking and watching the kestrels in the sky and uh, looking at the kind of yellow buttons of Tansy on the on the river and 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 seeing trees and plants and and the rest of nature for the first time. Um, no doctors had prescribed this experience. It didn't no one had suggested it. This was kind of 10-12 years ago before you know we were seeing these nature-based interventions and social prescribing. But what I found was that I'd go back to my flat and feel relief. In some way, kind of uh, relief from the very negative self-critical thoughts I was experiencing, um, and kind of calm in a way that I hadn't felt before. Um, And as a science journalist at the time, I was immediately intrigued on what was happening in my brain, what was happening to my body. What was happening to my limbic system, my my hormones? What was was going on? How could this be so powerful I didn't know anything about it? Um, I was fortunate that I had experiences as a child in the natural world. And at that point in my mid-20s, I was connecting with that sense of joy and wonder that had already been given to me. Um, I was a kid who just wanted to collect ladybirds all the time and stare at aphids and Listen to crickets, and, and you know that was that was the best parts of my childhood. Um, so this experience kind of just set me thinking about about what was actually happening, what was what was kind of going on in the body and the brain. I kind of knew that you know nature is in some way good for you. You know, I'd go to the park sometimes. I might go to the seaside for a holiday. I had that kind of vague idea, um, but what I found absolutely blew my mind um, and I know that you know you guys know this and you work in this area but what I want to do today is um, kind of present some of the scientific evidence in a way that I hope might be kind of useful and helpful particularly for talking to uh, head teachers, policy makers, investors using that kind of evidence base that um, People just can't argue with within our kind of um, scientific framework. Um, and the other, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the other side, not just the science, because you know, I love science. Science is great, but there's a lot of things about our relationship with nature that you can't measure in a lab. And one of the things that happened to me on Mossy Marshes was the beginning of a relationship. Um, and a sense of being in communion with a wider matrix of beings and, um, and finding community with the rest of nature. Um, and I think that's a really important part um, of what, what you guys do as well. So um, I started to research it and uh, luckily for me, loads of scientists in multiple disciplines across the world in every continent have been trying to drill down into this relationship um, between uh, contact with, with nature and, and our health and well-being. Uh, environmental psychologists, um, public health scientists, people who study neuroscience, to people who study the limbic system. Um, there's this enormous wealth of evidence now, um, and much of it is very strong and very, robust and very rigorous. Um, so, you already know, I'm sure, the kind of more broad stroke evidence for why children need more contact with the rest of nature. Um, we know studies show us that creative play is higher in natural settings, that outdoor learning boosts children's social and psychological growth, that contact with the natural world, connection with the natural world is correlated with, as children, is correlated with fewer depression, depressive symptoms as adults and that vulnerable and disadvantaged children may need it more than most. Um, There's a study uh, by, um, it's from the US, which showed that um, the most vulnerable children have experienced the most powerful effects on um, contact with nearby nature, but it seems to buffer their life stresses. so we know that forest and type of nature can build resilience, confidence, creativity, and I'm sure you've all seen that. And it makes sense. Um, the natural world is our oldest playground. It, it was our playground for 99% of our evolutionary history. We evolved exploring the outdoors. That's where our brains evolved, where our bodies evolved. But how exactly do these experiences, this environment, uh, actually affect our health and well being. So I want to kind of take you on a bit of a journey getting under the nuts and bolts um, of, of what happened. Um, what happens? So about six years ago I moved out of London into a town in the British countryside in Hampshire. And I had a garden for the first time in my adult life. I also had a baby, uh, my first child and um, we spent a lot of time in the garden and I've noticed two things. One, uh, she would want to eat the soil, just naturally, she just wanted to put it in her mouth. And two, after being in the garden, digging around in the soil, planting seeds, I, who was experiencing depression at the time, felt better. Um, And it got me thinking about what was going on in that in that space? And I was doing some reading online, and I saw in a kind of parenting Facebook group someone said, um, "Exposure to soil bacteria, mycobacterium vacci is like a natural antidepressant." True or woo? And my initial. Be Ill. So I thought I'm gonna have to dig into this. Um and I start I had to be back for the next one. so I um I interviewed some of the 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 scientists, the neuroscientists who have been studying this particular soil bacteria M. vacci for quite a long time. To um, uh, cancer patients at the Marsden, found that it didn't extend their life, but it did seem to make them happier and boost their well-being. Um, and this guy called Christopher Lowry, particularly who studied this area, um, tested the theory and um, has been, you know, rigorously studying this, this wonderful bacteria, um, and found that yes, there is a connection. An M. As a kind of way of treating people with PTSD, um, I think for our purposes, um, a question that Chris and Larry um, suggested is what's relevant <laughs> to us. Shouldn't we be letting all children play more in the dirt? Should we be playing in the dirt? So that kind of gave me a bit of a sense of what was happening in that garden. Um, another guy called Graham Brooke, who developed this idea called the old friends hypothesis, which is the idea that we evolved with these bacteria outside our old friends. Um, often we think of bacteria as being something we want to get rid of, but of course that's not the case. We're, they're protective, we need them, they're half of us. Um, and, uh, he had also found studying, really interesting sort of an aside, but looking at the Amish and the Hutterites and, and children in those groups in the States. Um, so the Amish farm still in a very traditional way. Children are allowed to run around um, in and out of barns. Uh, they're living alongside the animals with more freedom. The Hutterites have a much more um, mechanical, modern way of farming. in. Air-conditioned tractors, lots more machinery. The kids are not running in and out of the barns. Um, and the Amish have lower levels of inflammation, asthma, susceptibility to psychiatric diseases. And his theory is that it's because of this exposure to these old friends, which is protected in some way. I um, have a beautiful rose bush in my garden. And and I love looking at the droplets of rain when it rains on the petals. And I started to notice in this new experience of being in the garden with a child, how much I love the smell of the earth after it rained. It kind of reminded me of being a kid, being on a playground and just smelling that earth smell. Um, and I, I, I wondered, I started to wonder about this, this smell and what it was. I was thinking about the sense of nature and how they might be affecting uh affecting us. And this led me to the incredible science of petrichor. I'm sure this is an audience often I'll say to people, do you know what petrichor means? And most people don't. I bet loads of you do. <laughs> yeah. So it's the name for the smell of the earth after it's rained. That kind of really earthy, like metallic, almost ferric smell. And it's caused by um well, the, main, the main compound in it is uh, a compound called geosmin, and that's what gives it that kind of delicious smell. Um, anyway, it turns out humans are acutely acute sensitive and can detect low concentrations at five parts of per Um which is a bit. I mean, obviously we evolved needing irrigated landscapes for our survival, so it makes sense that that smell would be something for us. Um, anyway, a study of brain activity uh, from South Korea found that when people smell that compound particularly, it activates areas of the brain associated with calmness and relaxation. Now we all know that kids kind of love muddy puddles and, and jumping in the rain, but I know that sometimes bad weather can be a barrier or for some kids or some families. So I think the science of for knowing that take a moment to smell it. Smell that. It could be actually calming down your brain. It's quite a good one to know about. Um, the next area I wanted to talk to you about is awe, the science of awe. Um, so I've got three kids, six and under, and as challenging as becoming a mother has been in some ways, I have a sense of awe and wonder through their experiences. Um, Yesterday, we went into the woods with um, my father-in-law, he's in the 70s, and he uh, took us looking for mushrooms, and we found these incredible uh, penny buns, absolutely massive, and my six-year-old was just, uh, just in awe of how big they were, how beautiful they were. Um, and we, we took one home, we cooked it and we had it for lunch and um, it was just wonderful. So I want to talk to you a bit about awe and the idea of it being a luxury and I'm going to argue that it's not a luxury and it's something that children require and are essential and it's something that in the forest school brainwork and in uh, contact with the natural world, this is where we can get an abundance of and yeah. wonder. Um, so many of our experiences of awe and wonder in, the na- in, in our modern world still come from the natural world despite our disconnection. It doesn't have to be a grand canyon or a waterfall. Um, for me it's also finding mushrooms in the woods or looking at moss through my loop, which is a tiny little um, you know, magnifying glass, exactly. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time Pushing crabs around and with a little magnifying glass looking at lots of walls, and people often ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we all say I mean, I'm just looking at a worm moving. I'm fine. Um, we all know that um, feeling awed feels nice, but did you know that it actually has measurable effects on our health, on our bodies? So I got. Keltner, who's been studying the science of awe for, for decades now, um, has shown repeatedly that experiencing awe um, has a calming effect on our physiology. Awe is um, nature and awe not just a luxury, not just nice. So, particularly, psychologists at the University of Toronto found that awe was the only emotion that predicted reduced levels of, say with me cytokines which are biomarkers which are associated with disease and depression. So awe was the one emotion which seemed to have this measurable physical effect on the body. Awe may also affect how we treat other people. Um, Dash of lab showed two groups of participants, uh, different videos. One was a kind of awe-inspiring scene of, of, of the natural world and one was a comedy they were then told they'd won a cash prize, and the awed group were more likely to share their winnings. Um, and this, this study has been repeated again and again. One of them, I think one of the research, dropped over load of pens, and the people who were awed were more likely to pick up the pens. Um, and going a bit deeper into that, it seems that all reduces activity in the default. Mm-hmm mode network, which is an area of the brain, a sociological sense of self. This makes me think of a quote um, that Rachel Carson, who wrote Silent Spring said. She said, and I haven't got this written down, but I'll try and remember it, the more we experience awe and wonder, I'm probably butchering it, but it's something like this, the more <laughs> we experience awe and wonder, the less our appetite for destruction. And I think that that says quite a lot to our present moment. And Speaks to the idea that you know, the more children have this experience to be awed and feel wonder at their living world, um, the more they will care for it.
5: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um.
4: So, one of, the most, one of my favourite areas of, of the research is to do with um, fractal shapes. Some of you might know what fractal shapes are. Lots of people to do. Okay, so um, the reason I like this and I like talking about this is because um, obviously like in a dream world, we want all children to be able to play in, in, in woods and, and forested areas and have these biodiverse ecologically rich um areas to play and explore. Um, but that's just not the case for, for a lot of children. Um, and fractal shapes are everywhere in nature. And once you get your eye in, you, you will see them. You know, they're like a spray of a, a weed coming out of a pavement is a fractal, fractal shape. Let me explain what they are before going further. So Fractal shapes are um, essentially the same shape self-repeating and and you get them across nature's geometry in ferns, leaves, seashells, fractal broccoli, waves, it's just part of the geometry of our world. So if you imagine um, a a plant, a pavement plant, you have the, the shape of the leaf and then it gets bigger and bigger as you go through. Anyway. Why is this
5: important?
4: Um, I found, again, pushing my program around town, I would often just key in to these fractal shapes and just want to be staring at them. It could be cow it could be the dandelion leaves, just wanted to be looking at them to have a nice effect. Um, and a guy called Victor Taylor at the University of Oregon has been studying human brain activity. fractal shapes for a number of years, and he found that the particular fractal shapes found in the natural world, so that is um, between 1.3 and 1.5, compared with fractal shapes in, for example, the Jackson Pollock painting or something like that, natural world too of course, but um, Mm -hmm. so with me, uh, provoked activity in the brain associated with calmness and relaxation. So. he has this beautiful phrase which is physiological resonance, this idea that we are kind of hardwired to respond to um, the shapes and the geometry of the natural world and this is where it gets really cool. It turns out the eye, our human eye is fractal in nature so the theory is that our eyes kind of lock in with the fractal shapes and that's something that um, anyone can find anywhere. Um, Now I want to talk about an area which I think is really important for the time that we're in now. It's about stress. Um, and We often think about adults being stressed and stress being uh, an issue for adults, but I think as we've all seen in the last few years, kids are experiencing stress and it's a kind of horrible, hallmark and epidemic in our society. Stress related illnesses and diseases are on the rise, and um, we are not very good at dealing with it. So, there's a, um, a canal in Hampshire that I love walking down. It's an abandoned canal. Um, in the, about this time of year, it's filled with spindle trees, and uh, in the spring, it's filled with wild garlic. It's just incredibly and there's a bench where we often sit and we'll eat a sandwich um, next to the water. And I find that whenever I sit there, I just feel so calm
5: and tranquil. just looking at the water and the ducks, watching
4: the catkins kind of move in the breeze, listening to um, birdsong. It's just, we just go there and we're sitting next on the sandwich, just lovely and blissful. And afterwards, I always feel kind of restored and relaxed Um, and I think the the scientific research on our nervous systems and stress and natural environments can can explain a bit about what's happening to me in that moment and I'm sure it's an experience that you experienced as well so we know that we recover from stress quickly and more completely in a natural environment to a built environment.
5: And it looks like the reason for this is because when we are in the natural
4: world our parasympathetic nervous system is more likely to be activated. So the parasympathetic nervous system is the one involved in rest and digest, feelings of calm and contentment and safety. The sympathetic nervous system is the one that's really helpful if we need to run away or we're feeling stressed, it's fight or flight, it's adrenaline. We need both, but we need both in balance. And what is happening at the moment in modern life is that many of us have this one, the fight or flight activated for long periods of time, and that can lead to illness, disease, um, depression and so on. And So what we need is a kind of equilibrium. Um, and the evidence shows that when we're in the natural world, we can restore this more calm um, and, and relaxed feeling. And there's some amazing research which found that even under anaesthetic, um, people who have played birds on produce fewer stress chemicals, fewer biomarkers of stress. So it's not just that we're kind of, you know, you're someone who loves birds, you go out there and you're listening to birdsong, you hear it and you know, there's something deeper going on. So we need a balanced nervous system, our children need that experience to recover from the stresses of life. Um, the natural world is not a luxury. Um, so these are just a few of the myriad ways, science is showing um how a relationship with nature can affect our health and our well-being. But there is, of course, a big problem. Um, we have never been so disconnected from the natural world. or um, think we are. We have never been so enclosed. Our children have never been so estranged and willfully alienated from the natural environment. We're also at the most ecologically destructive time of human history. Um, One of the most interesting people I interviewed for my book, Lucy Eden, um, was a guy called John Skull, who is an ecotherapist in Vancouver. And he said something which always has stayed with me. Um, He said, by the time you're 18 years old, you've spent 12,000 hours in a classroom, separated from nature. And that's what it takes to create an industrial society. Um, and as we all know, fewer than one in ten children play in wild areas. Um, so when I was a couple of years into my research, I was living in London still, um, and I was living in a flat with like no access to an outdoor space, about ten or fifteen-minute walk from a park. But we had a beautiful pear tree outside our bedroom window. It was stunning. In the spring, it would glow green like kryptonite. In the summer, these curds of creamy blossom would appear and it would blow up the pears and I'd watch as the pears dropped and then the tree would become brittle for winter. Before the blood, the buds would bud again, I'd be looking out for this creaking and, and new life coming. Then. This was in my early sobriety and recovery, and it, it was a really important symbol for me of constancy and change. I grew to rely on it. Scaffolding went up, the neighbours were doing some work, and the tree was blocked from view. I became very tense, very frustrated. Um, I said passive aggressive text. To my neighbours. Um, I scrapped my <laughs> then boyfriend, Um, and it kind of freaked me out what was happening, but it made me realise the extent of my psychological need for the rest of nature. Um, you know, it would have been weird if we'd been warned, oh the tree's gonna be covered, not going to see it for psychological reasons. You know, I could have expected to have been warned you know, it was loud or, you know,
6: dusty or something like
4: that. But, but we're not at that point yet where we really realise how important these things are. Anyway, this got me thinking more about how this estrangement and this eco-alienation affects cats and, and, and children. And then, of course, once you realise that then you, then you see you're living in a world of wounds and it's very, very Um, And you see kind of inequality in access and and connection to restorative natural environments. Um, And this is a kind of this is a kind of flip side of looking at this area, I think. like we can look at positive um, positive research. But then um, you know, and and you guys are the people who are working against this Um, research, are proving just how harmful it is. Um, you know, children people to divorced from the natural world. Um, scientific studies are not usually described as beautiful but this one was and I think they're right. Um, a study by a guy called Richard Mitchell from the University of Glasgow found that access to the natural world could reduce the health gap between rich and poor
5: and this, um, this research has been repeated again and again in European countries,
4: it can reduce socioeconomic inequality in mental well-being. As we know, affluent areas tend to have more quality green space, and be greener and leafier. I hate that phrase, but it's all over the literature. Um, so when we think about nature as a luxury, or contact with nature's as just for the affluent, we're really doing our society a disservice and missing out on this possibility to, to reduce all the that we have. So clearly, systemic and structural change is needed, and nature is not a luxury. But here is the good news. You are doing it, you've been doing it for 30 years. Um, and... We have a critical chance and opportunity to put the natural world at the centre of childhood experience. And what I think the scientific evidence can do, and what I hope, how I hope it will be useful, um, I kind of wrote this evening. It's really a synthesis of evidence, it's kind of like just to be useful for people, is to be able to say nature connection is as important for children and adults a sleep or a good diet it's not an add on it's not a luxury and all parents and all head teachers and policy makers we all want children and society to have good public health and well-being and now we have that type of rigorous <laughs>
0: Okay, apology time. Uh, People would have seen me at the conference having a a slightly manic moment. Um, I had a nightmare in terms of batteries and battery packs and cables and things. That's basically all I managed to record. It's most of Lucy's speech, but possibly not all of it, um, before my recorder just went, boo and shut down and had to run around like a headless chicken trying to find batteries and chargers and wires and things. Um, But thankfully, we did manage to get... Uh, enough that we caught Lucy afterwards and managed to have a little uh, chat with her personally. Uh, so here's that chat. Push the oh. Go, thank you. Yeah. That was
5: cracking. So oh, it
0: was all yeah. work a real pleasure, today. real privilege. It's
5: amazing. it's
4: amazing to be here, and I wish I could stay all weekend. But um, yeah, it was really nice. Is this the
0: first lot of for- exclusively forest school leaders you've? about your work yeah
4: it is okay. yeah like I've, i visited forest schools when i was researching and i've interviewed on the phone people involved in forest school but this is the first yeah being in know i've kind of talked to outdoor educators a bit mm-hmm. but this has been the first um kind of being in a room with lots of people really doing it um so that's been yeah really good yeah.
0: we wanted to ask because obviously your work's been about like synthesizing lots of bits of research yeah. and uh we were sat in the back and we were wondering again I can't remember what the word is if you had like unlimited budget and no and importantly no ethical concerns right you can do whatever you want <laughs> what's the bit of research that hasn't been done We're like there's a hole here wow. and it's if I've got really endless wanna money oh, just yeah. want to get that one what or an
4: amazing question I've never been asked that and that is such a good question um
0: because one of the issues always with this stuff is it's all because it's all a lot of it becomes anecdotal doesn't yeah. it and so you end up in a space where you can't you couldn't ever set up an experiment where you're like I'm going to intentionally deprive a yeah. person of X mm. but like if we could if we could, <laughs> <laughs> we could be real that's
6: the finding yeah. somehow magically
4: I feel like you're kind of putting me on the spot here and I'm no. such a perfectionist that I wouldn't want to give my ultimate answer because <laughs> yeah. this is a big question maybe it's not really the one maybe it's one. like
0: one. a few a
4: one. I think that um, I think that one of the I think that one of the interesting areas at the moment, which could do with more research, is like how like biodiversity and um, so like comparing, for example, like a, a green space, a simple green space, which is just like grass with like a really diverse wood and all the different um all the different things in life that's going on there. Mm. I feel like if there was a way to kind of simply uh, compare the two that would be good. Um, well, I'm really interested in like um, maternal and like postnatal well being and health
5: and experiment on, on that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I think that would be quite interesting. Um,
4: yeah, that would be, but actually, do you know what? No, I'm gonna say I would want to be able to test the microorganisms like the bacteria and that I mm-hmm. talked about. So you can't obviously just give people soil to eat. <laughs> you people. can in this world. As were to yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so feed people yeah, soil and see what happens. In this, I would yeah want to like see ingesting you know, that exposure. That exposure because what went. So I think you know we these adamantine sealed off beings were a lot more permeable and affected by the diversity
0: of life around us, so, That yeah. feels like it would tie in with that thing about the... how does grass affect, you know, a really diverse ecosystem? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the same bacteria, even. What have you done? I've just
1: done three platforms and ladders. It was awesome. We had two hours of just playing with knots and bits of wood, which
0: is, is just amazing. That does sound joyful.
1: Very joyful. Very playful. Lots, you know, new, new knots learnt, um, old knots practised. Fun times. Balancing, oh. playing, hanging upside down. Oh nice. Yeah, that was good. In the sun in the so sun
0: is so, so different to last year when it was peeing it down Incredible. and it was like in, endure mm. <laughs> and this is like, oh cool, sit in the grass yes, do know. as you please
1: It's some mm. cake, what have you just done
0: well look, I was signed up to do the MOVNAT workshop but the person who was going to do the MOVNAT workshop has been injured oh no uh, I'm hoping not through MOVNAT <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Instead, uh, I was with a chap called Richard, and we were doing like natural movement, and like using uh, there's a thing now called like rope flow, which is when you use like I it's like a big heavy ro- rope. Oh, I was twirling ropes around. It's all about coming movements coming from your spine, and Ooh. how we do. You know, we we shouldn't be linear and all this stuff. And like, it was really cool. And we're definitely going to talk to Richard, and he's up for doing an episode on his own which will be great but like so it
1: wasn't actually Movnat what you were doing
0: no it was, it was a different thing where he was like this is sort of where my PhD and my interest is can't mm. do the Movnat thing but mm-hmm. it's this is like Movnat adjacent mm. and it was really uh, the only thing I can liken it to is like uh, juggling in mm-hmm. that left brain right brain thing where like you can't think about it because if you you, you go I've got it and then your brain engages with something about like where's your hand going or like which direction and then it whips you in the back of the head Mm. Um, but yeah it was very interesting Yep. The flow. I feel like there's a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of stuff to bring back to our learners because lots of it was like doing figure eights yep. around yourself. And he was like, you might have some kids that want to like do this and be ninjas. And I was like, mm-hmm. you fucking <laughs> bet. I know every kid wants to be a ninja yes. at some point. Yes. But I'd never thought to do it with... So one of the things that I th- realised was different was that when our when kids do it, they do it with sticks. Mm. And there's more wrist rotation required in that whereas the rope you can do a much simpler movement and the rope still draws the same path yeah um obviously there's different risk assessment included with using ropes but Mm -hmm. i think i am going to cut some lengths of rope and have a go in the woods and then we were talking about and i wonder if this resonates with you Uh, So one of the things Richard is doing, and I'm sure he'll talk about this more, he was saying he wants to make Forest School what PE lessons are. So not kicking a ball, stopping a ball, linear motion, all this stuff. He said PE lessons should be um, be like uh, (laughs) all this movement, Mm. this kind of natural flow movement. And so he was saying like, um, and then I was thinking about all the movements and I was thinking, I don't know anyone that regulates with linear movement. It's flow. It's mm. the whole body, like, circles from your spine, mm. all of this stuff, like crawling, you know, loading up and spinning and mm-hmm. all of those things. Rocking, Rocking, yeah. all of those things are regulating in a way that, like, stopping a ball with your foot and passing it back is not, I don't know people that regulate that way, or, like, swinging a racket to hit a tennis ball, well, I suppose that's different because that is kind of rotational. Um,
1: and it's also the thing about maybe like exerting force on things, mm-hmm. which is a different type of physical play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do know what you mean. Um, yeah.
1: Mm, my brain's to sleep a little P bit because chocolate cake. Making PE playful yes. and
0: regulating.
1: Yeah, definitely. And talking about the science of that whilst you're doing it, I
0: think
1: it'd mm. be amazing. What are you going to do now? I feel like I want to walk around the little marketplace. Let's go walk
0: around the market and let's have do a, little a look. Let's do that. Yeah. See you in a minute. Hey, good listeners. So, the next thing you're about to hear is a chat that Wem and I managed to have with Tim Gill, who's the patron of the FSA. Um, I did record Tim's speech, which was great, but um, we were sat right at the back and it was so windy that it was. Almost unintelligible. So um, we caught up with Tim personally at the end and had a little chat. Um, oh, uh, yeah,
7: and for the
0: podcast. So, alright? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for okay. your
0: speech. That was. I've not seen you speak before. Oh, okay. So it was... was
7: first time. Oh, it's nice feedback. Thank you. (laughs) Is that the same... Have you done that speech like lots and lots of times? No, I've never said most of that stuff ever before. before. Oh, really? So, I mean, I do have um, various topics that are kind of reasonably well-rehearsed, and um, so around risk. I do a lot of work with urban planners and designers these days, so it's a very different audience to this audience, around making neighbourhoods more child-friendly. But... Um, I didn't want to do a sort of conventional okay. workshoppy CPD type talk about risk, mm-hmm. uh, partly because I you're think doing a, a workshop. On I'm risk, doing I mean, although even, I'm not going to do that there either. But I okay. felt like, as a patron, I mean, the patron role is—it's like I'm slightly removed from from the day-to-day. This—I'm not an educator myself, mm-hmm. although I work with educators. I mean. In a way, I am an educator because all of my You're work is without, not, not, it, not a transfer, but yeah. yes, I, I am at one remove from the front line. Um, and as a sort of, sounds a bit grand, but a sort of figurehead, mm-hmm. I guess I see that part of my role is to be a sort of interface between the wider world beyond yeah. forest school practice and the more everyday um, act- activity that forest school practitioners are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was where I felt I could add a bit of um, something fresh yeah. to yeah. today, And also just and I actually really do love Essex as well, so I wanted to bring in that no, yeah. stuff about yeah. this county and you know the landscapes like this one and like like the landscapes that you see a few miles down the road. Mm-hmm. And if we're not doing that in forest school then I think we really we really need to be doing more like,
1: of that. Yeah. 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 Mm. We wanted to ask you about. So this is like ten years of the FSA, and you've been a patron, which is yeah. amazing. Um, if you were projecting ten years into the future, and we were back at this kind of gathering, like, what would you hope
6: for uh, the vibe uh, to uh, be? Yeah. Uh, I, I, be?
7: I, I really hope, and I, and I think it is realistic to see a, a mainstreaming of ideas from Forest School, mm. so into primary education. Um, into uh, what you might call classroom practice, Um, although part of that will be that actually we're not learning, kids are not learning classrooms as much as they they are now. Um, And that forging attachments, connections with people and place and the planet are a core part of the curriculum. Mm People will see forest school as being a, a kind of gateway into that reform of, of the wider curriculum. I mean I think it's gonna be I'm not saying it's gonna be easy, but I think that's a goal worth striving for and it's and it is achievable over a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so.
8: Thank you. Thank you so we'll much. And
1: let's get ready okay. for your workshop. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: made yourself some tea? Yes. What, tea? what some tea did you make in the end? I
1: tea, um, which is going to pep me up good and proper.
0: What is this? going on? There's people in the tent.
1: Look at these chairs made up of hazel. Oh, this
0: Beautiful, is very cool.
1: I really wanted to go on a course to learn how to make these with a um, hedge laying, copper group.
0: Oh, wow. Beautiful, aren't they? Oh, look, it's over there in the other tent. Oh,
5: yes.
0: Let's head that way. Oh, look, I like this for leaving conkers on. Have you played this game? No. So you take the conkers like that. So you take a string. Oh, you're trying to you try and get them. And you just try and get them to, I reckon. Whee, look at that first go. You got it. You got it. You don't got it.
1: We're, entering, we're going in. We're, entering we're in the meter, the meter market.
0: market. Do you want to explain what a meter market is? Because I didn't know what a meter market Ooh, was.
1: You have to bring things, and the things you're bringing to sell can't fit in more than a meter area on a table, or the ground, as we can see here. And it'll be stuff you've made, or stuff you've hoarded, um, and you can buy things, barter things. I can see knitted items. Mm, yeah.
0: I can see some wooden things. Yeah. I can see a bag of George going on beautiful
1: pottery
0: uh, and this is like very very short right? yes and look at these mushrooms Ooh, felted trees so they're like a little log and then they've got a felted top to make them into mushrooms they look a bit like felted maracas and there's bees as well felted bees
6: oh I love
0: the bees those bees are wonderful
6: hello Sarah Knight hello dear <laughs> <laughs> I feel you're totally a nice. microphone yes, yeah. it's very <laughs> it's incestuous I, well I feel slightly uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's is
0: a lot bigger than mine So I'm feeling Slightly competitive about this <laughs>
1: Battle it out
0: <laughs> What are you doing, Sarah? You're doing all the Yeah, you're doing we're,
6: the, we're still doing the, um, the Videography yeah, Is that video- the word? I don't have no idea We're taking pictures You're going around with the dead cat With the dead cat <laughs> Jeff just decided it was a mole I said I'd love to see the mole hills that it makes <laughs> Jesus.
0: Well, we'll leave you to it. Yeah,
5: thank you. Ooh, a lot of books.
0: The Green Parent. What else is going on? Oh, what are these books? Memory journals.
2: Yes.
5: It
0: no, right. Oh wow. Are these yours? Did you make these? No. Is this you? Are you Daniel and i uh, You sent me an email. Hello. Very nice yeah. to meet you. <laughs> oh, it's interesting yeah. seeing it properly as a book. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh wow. So are the different colours different things?
3: Yeah. So these are adult ones, and these are children's based ones, these are primary and early years, and these are secondary school.
2: I'll have a look at this one, trail then journey
0: then, um, series, woodland.
4: Yeah, this one's for like grief, this one's for comparing and contrasting your country to another country where you visited, and then that's just a generic like
5: parents um, one to go with this
0: one. oh That one's me. trying to
4: engage like teenagers with their tech life. Okay. With going and spending time in nature, and how to combine them to like
2: help them like, Adult, yes, Five yes. You know, inspiring
0: adult. news articles, industry contacts made,
2: it's a big one. You know, like people that are like, one. yeah, 16 to 18, world
5: yeah. like, the keep them
8: grounded and, um, um, and them to, like, um, <laughs> gentle, <laughs> the, the nature a <laughs> like, so
5: yeah.
4: like, oh, Amazing. And, and,
0: and, Oh, great. Oh, look, I hope they're going well. <laughs> off. What have we got on this one? I'm looking here. I'm gonna, I'm sidling up Mr. Terry now. You're going to have to describe. Uh, you can't make claims out loud like world's biggest water can collection and well. then not buck them up.
9: Well, because there is no um, sort of central organisation that governs these things, I can make claims like that quite mm, easily. Not that you know of.
0: <laughs> now, just to clarify, like single watering can or collection of watering cans?
9: The, a collection of water cans. I see. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not one massive one.
9: Every time I get, I get an empty can, I think that's going to be useful. So they go in the shed. <laughs> and then before you know it, you've got three sheds. They're not all full of water What's your favourite? You got a favourite? Water cans. Yeah. Um, do you like a rose? Do you like a rose? <laughs> 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 well we are getting into watering cans now. We're talking oh. about we're talking about the the, the oh, literally, just five just liter the, water like, can, yeah. Like a jerry like,
0: can plastic like, jerry can. The ones it
9: can be made into tippy taps and um, mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff yeah and I've, I've actually developed an invention where you can make a paper towel dispenser out of two five liter water cans
0: no way
9: mm. yep.
0: Whoa, we'll well, be, I've got you'll be seeing factual, them everywhere soon patent it. <laughs> 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 yeah. that's amazing yeah at yeah. oh.
9: the end of both of them and then they can slot, slot together, together cut some slots in them and you've got a paper towel dispenser
0: oh is it on your stuff can people see this invention
9: i Got one in the van that's actually. True. Yeah, I could go and Aww. fish it out later. Say,
0: well, we'll send people to your social media <laughs> and then they'll see it. Yeah,
9: five litre water cans are the thing.
0: They are. It's full try, of uses. Trying to make use of stuff that's already everywhere anyway.
9: Yeah, definitely. What are you never do- throw anything away. What
0: are you getting, Wem? Uh, gloves. Gloves. Small
1: gloves. for Small thing, gloves. For things like... Like um, work gloves. Yeah. And for like picking singing nettles. Things like mm. that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Then we can make more nettle string. Yes. That's the way. What else we Survival whistles. Mm. So, two, four,
1: six, eight. want to
6: get how Again. Yeah.
1: Five, six, seven, six, oh. six, five. I've just got one. <laughs> okay.
3: But uh, so yeah, I I call it the new one. There was a crazy moose. There, there was a crazy moose. He liked to drink a lot wow. of juice. He liked he to like drink a lot of juice. There was a crazy moose. There was a crazy moose. <inaudible> A, of the a lot of juice. Well, way-o-way-o, way-o-way-o. The a lot of juice. He likes to drink a lot of juice. Sing away, away, up. Sing away, away, up. way oh way oh he liked to drink his juice in bed. He liked to drink his juice in bed. The moose's name was Fred. The moose's name was Fred. He liked to drink his juice in bed. He liked to
2: drink his juice in bed. Singing way, way up. Singing
3: way, way up. Way, 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 way up. Way, 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 way up.
0: about halfway through Saturday uh, Wem had just come off a workshop with uh, Mel Harrison and uh, I managed to grab Mel just as she was uh, packing up and uh, have a little chat with her I'm gonna be I'm gonna be incredibly cheeky because we're, we're here with Mel and I haven't done your workshop but Wem has just come so women I have the We're not allowed to do the same workshops, and we just refer to each other as our external brains. You go do that one and come yeah, back and tell me, bent. and I'll go do this one, and then we're That's and what then we did too. one brain. Have you done the same thing? Yeah, oh gosh, it's a good way to do it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then you don't get the the FOMO is less. But you do come back doubly with like, okay, but we're doing this thing together. So you've just done about circles. Yeah. And I can see circle of trust on a board. Mm with high trust and moderate trust but Wem's just been talking to me about things that are circles that are not circles
8: circles that are not circles when they've broken down into smaller groups and they're discussing in their smaller groups and then coming back to circle is that what she meant by circles
0: oh well she was talking about things like eating pancakes is a type of circle and games are a type of circle and how freeing that is as a like it doesn't have to be sit down sit down pass the thing round
8: no not so at tell all. me about things that are
0: circles that aren't circles
8: circles that aren't <laughs> circles like circle magnets yeah so food is always good isn't it you know like in the morning you're yeah. cooking something really nice on the fire and they come in and you say hey this stuff is happening and then you're just waiting until hang on I'll be ready in a minute be ready in a minute let them go off do their thing come back eat you're all in the same place you're all mm. communicating you, you know it's not a sit down let's focus circle but you're still there and checking in on each other yeah. So, yeah, games. I think we did a, a circle, animal yoga.
0: Uh, be very quiet, Emma. Like, I've turned this on, and you've suddenly gone, I mustn't speak.
8: You can come <laughs> be in, even can chat.
0: <laughs> and a song? Yeah. Song in the circle?
8: We did. we did a song in the circle. Uh, oh, Secret Snail. We did Secret Snail. What, Secret Snail? Secret I need, snail. need to know about secret snail? A secret snail.
0: Well, that's part of the game, isn't it? Surely.
8: Actually, Secret snail, snail was gifted to me. I have a secret like, snail in my house. No way. I have a
0: little tiny... You well, might not anymore, because I might have it. It's from a TV show called Adventure Time, and I, I've got a 3D printer in my house, so I made it it's like this big, and the game is me and my wife just put the secret snail in different places that we know the other one. And when you find it, you just hear from in the house, ah, you bastard, right, and then you move it, and then you know it's your turn to find it somewhere else. I'm
8: glad there's more than one secret snail. Is that... How, this is, is, well, this is a spoon that a, a, oh a woman who comes on one of my... Um, uh, Wood sisters forest school, which is for adult women. Uh, she paid me in spoons, and this is a, a, I Whoa. know, I know. And uh, so that was our swap. That's when I thought
0: you couldn't get more wonky. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> it. <laughs> anyway,
8: <but laughs> spoons are fine, pay me in spoons. But look, that she's made. She beautiful. goes. It's a really. She's paid. It's probably useless. She didn't say it was a snail. She said it was like a fork in a spoon. Just
0: to describe it, because people can't see that. Oh, so no. it's a spoon, but the shell. The sort of bowl of the spoon is the shell and then it's got the head of the like snail two and prongs. little prongs. prongs coming out. It's, like, it's like, like a fork like a, spoon. Like
8: a, it's, it's like a spork snail.
0: This is how sporks should this be. Is, this is if, how they it, if they were designed... If
8: they were designed properly yes. and they had proper uses.
0: They would be like that. They would
8: be a secret snail.
0: So, so why I mean, is it a secret snail?
8: Because, right, okay, don't look.
0: Oh, okay. Um, this is going to work really well on a podcast. <laughs> I'm not looking. Don't oh, look. Okay, people lis- People it. listening at home, Never. don't look. Yeah. Don't you look either. Um, don't look, people. There's no rustling. Okay, can come hear. On. Um, I won't put the same thing that was under before. Yeah, <laughs> great. Exactly different.
8: Okay, here we are.
0: Right, here we are. Hello. Here we right, are. I'm turning around. In the woods with secret the snail, snail. is the snail is now cupped down yes. on your hand. It's secretive. Is secretive.
8: It's a secretive snail that yes, has something you're pressing secret it be- underneath him. Right, but the only way to find out what is the secret thing inside the snail is to ask me. You're not allowed to guess in these. You just have to ask me five questions with a yes/no answer. Okay. Then you get to guess. Only then do you get to guess because secret snail is quite strict. Okay.
0: Uh, Has the thing that is under the snail come from a tree? Was it at one point joined to a tree?
8: Uh yes i think i can say yes
0: okay but only because this is good you you said yes yes, but emma's given me more facial expressions so i'm not just getting yes no here i'm getting a lot more information
8: it's yes but there's more to it
0: there's more to it
8: it definitely came from a tree at some point
0: okay Uh, um if i if it was on my skin if i was holding it in my hand yeah would I have any sensation other than weight? Uh,
8: You would have like a cold, oh no, yes, no answer! Shit, nearly got you. Ah!
0: Uh,
8: (laughs) So uh, what I mean is I'll give the answer. So
0: I might have a sensation of like moisture or spikes or something else. Okay, so so I'd have another sensation. Um, uh, Will this thing still be here in, like if you put it on the ground now, yeah. Would it have decomposed within a year?
8: Yes.
0: That's three, isn't it? Uh, did you have to manipulate it to get it inside the bowl of the spoon? So, like, was it bigger and you've had to make it smaller to get in the spoon? No. no. Um,
8: it should always fit inside secret snail.
0: Would it make a? Yeah, but it might. You might have scrunched it up. Scrunched up a, in, yeah, yeah, it? Yeah,
8: yeah. If
0: you dropped it into a metal pan. Yeah. Would it make uh, an, an, an audible noise?
8: You are asking me the most unusual questions Thank I've ever you. been asked for. We'll see. <laughs> would it make a noise if I dropped it into a metal bowl with a no mes-
0: water? No water, just an empty saucepan. If you dropped it... Yes, would,
8: it would make a it noise. It would make
0: a noise. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to guess that it's a very tiny pebble. Oh,
8: let's see. Dun da nah. Oh!
0: It's the cap of a sulphur tuft. Right. Or,
8: an, or, or a, a log nipple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. We
2: we don't name
5: a label.
0: Sure. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah. So that anyway. Oh, I like
0: that game though. Yeah. That's very cool. So yeah, that is a, ci- a box, so, so that's the type it? of circle. So that's because, because you you're do do drawing thing. in and it's yeah. your community. You're
8: building community, and so there's at uh, least. I don't
0: even know if it's still on here. have a little look. This one.
8: This, oh yeah. And this is from that circle
0: process. So room. we've got a circle drawn in, quor- cut into quarters.
8: Yeah, so this is based on the medicine wheel. Yes, northeast, so south-west, north-east southwest. I and see. North east, And what it's basically saying is don't forget to put equal um, energy into all four of these areas to create good elements of circle. So the
0: energies we've got, the areas we've got are getting to know each other. And then another one, we've got building trust and understanding. Another one, we've got content, which has got magic, noticing, story. And then the last one, has got developing a sense of unity. Mm-hmm. So putting equal energy into those things. Yeah. And
8: so sometimes, you're, you know, we all fall into a different area and sometimes you can fall into just you
0: know, yeah.
8: doing things in your circle all the time with a story or a song or whatever and then sending them off. Yes. And then other people are like, you know, they really want to do this bit
0: getting to know each other. getting
8: to know each other and asking lots of questions about each other. What do you think about this? You Mm. know, where actually what's needed is the balance of of all four of them. And so it's just a a model to help us remember. It's
0: like needs mapping for your group. Yeah. That's how I, when I see those things, it's like, do they need any more getting to know each other? Probably not. But actually, that's the one that you say, Mm. you might have a group. Actually, that makes complete sense, doesn't it? If you frame it as you've got to, like, take a class group, where you're like, they've been together since they were four, they're now in year four, and they're with each other five days a week, six hours a day. Do they need any more getting to know each other?
8: Do they really want to hear what Bob's favourite colour is again? Yeah.
0: Doubtful. Probably not.
8: But <sighs> you have to know that that's been happening and that they yes. do know each other. And obviously you get to know each other on a deeper level.
0: Of course. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: But, but yes... And then, you know, this is really the kind of building the sense of unity and community. And that's the one that's continuous, isn't it? As we're, mm. as we're, as we're growing as a community. Yeah.
0: Yes. And then sometimes that, so sometimes I, I can see the challenges being, so like for us, our groups are so long term that it's quite mm. a novel experience when someone new comes in. Mm. So the group as a whole doesn't need to know, getting to know each other. But one person arrives with a very strong need of like, getting yeah. to know each other and how you balance those things you probably can't balance that in a circle but you can balance that with a game or with a
8: yeah with all eating. the different things that you've just. Mm. yeah and i think that like because i also run those long-term groups where yeah. people come in and out of it's brilliant isn't it it's it's lovely it. but sometimes it's really easy to uh forget that that person is coming into it. yes the, the circle is holding itself yeah the group holds itself they've got their own culture they've got all of that and mm. it's easy to forget how much that person needs you you're revisiting you know so Yeah. to go back to you know obviously that that yeah. the circle these circles of trust getting so lower and lower as here we get out at this point you know they they're, they're still out here with no intimacy no trust and they they're moving on through the layers to they're going to begin to trust you and then they trust you a little bit more more mm. moderate trust and intimacy, and then by the time you've you've built that culture, that that community, there's much more high trust for them to be able to 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 talk to you about what's going on for them, or to experience that. And then that moves on. Mm, to this.
0: You've got your wheel, which I've taken a picture of, and I will.
8: It's mostly on my trousers. It, now. It's the
0: chalk has come up. <laughs> I've put a picture of this. I'm going to put a picture of this in the notes of the podcast rather than me reading all of these things maybe secret but the
8: snail should go in I maybe mean you secret know to put, to put equal um you know importance on all four secret snail should go in mm. as a photograph
0: oh definitely
8: but yeah so this bit here is a spiral so what we're seeing here is a is a, a spiral going in that is drawn in white and a spiral in green that is going out from mm. there. And so the the beginning of the spiral begins on the outside of the spiral going in, spiral of authenticity. Towards a heart. I think that's the important thing, isn't it? You're spiralling
0: in towards a heart.
8: Yeah, where people are kind of, you know, we're just noticing that there is a level of insecurity and disconnect when we're going through the spiral, when we're getting to know people, when we're building community. And then there is a, a releasing in that, because you're kind of going, okay, where am I at, what's going on, and with that comes unmasking, and it's the unmasking and the truth-telling that can be, and the healing actually, but it's particularly the unmasking and the truth-telling that can be the challenging bit, Mm. you know, the messy stuff. Yeah. The...
0: You go, great. Oh, no.
8: Yeah. Oh, great. They've got to that stage where they're really unmasking and telling me. You are
0: not masking with me at all. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy.
8: Could you possibly mask a little bit? (laughs) So that's that. And then they come through to the healing and and with healing comes opening and a a vulnerability. So we're at the heart and then when we're at the heart. We feel the warmth of community. We feel the warmth of, of, of circle being together we begin to emerge from there and with the emerging becomes revealing you start to kind of just show a little bit more about who you are and 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 what your needs are and with doing that you you start trusting the community around you the circle then you start connecting with yourself and each other and when you do that you get a sense of belonging and that belonging builds community and then from community comes the self-worth stuff so uh, we were looking at you know that kind of building of the self worth, your your self image, um, and um, your image of self, self-image, self image stuff, and then you carry on coming out from your self worth. So that begins to build. You're feeling this community, deep sense of belonging, and then it comes out to a freedom to be meanness. Mm. And then you That's know, I, I just like it doesn't all happen to all of everybody in our groups at the same time. So this spiral mm. is spiraling on round and then something can happen, you know, a, a, a death in the family or something big that happens that actually throws you back to, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm back here feeling insecure and disconnected. yeah, You know, and with our, with our children and with all they're dealing with, I think it's a, it's a useful model.
0: Do you think the... So we are saying that things can go back round this spiral. Would it be fair to say that the more often you've worked your way into the spiral, the more well-worn that path is? So if you do get spun back to insecurity, if, you've, done, if, you've, becau- yeah, if you've gone in a few times, yeah. that's got to be getting easier every so time.
8: When you think of, say, if, there, if it was something big that happened in a child's life or an adult's life who's coming to forest school, and, and they were feeling all of this, and then they had a break, and mm-hmm. then they come back in again there's still going to be this isn't there like yes. even if you've missed a session for a couple of weeks sometimes mm. you can just still there, there might be some of this and you know for us not to expect them to be you know to be free to be themselves straight away with these things that well, on I think I can plays. I think I can see this in a like
0: a micro scale on like a play cycle level mm. just even in like a 10-15 minutes bit of social playing you know, I can think of learners I've had where there's, you know, three or four of them, they always play together. But one person arrives and they're going to start insecure and then they're going to get into this. So, like, even in just, you know, we're playing princesses who live in the castle, you're still going through that spiral, you know, because you're going to start at that surface level of play. And it's only when you get really deep into it that you get to the, like, actually, I'm a princess that needs this and I don't, you know. Oh, They're thank you.
8: Play
0: cycle. I know. It's good. good like that.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, thank you very much.
5: You're very welcome. And what have you got?
0: Have you, you said you're not running workshops now, you're in free for the rest of the conference. I'm free.
8: Um, I think I'm helping close, close circle at the end. Do you want the
0: drums for yes, the close please. circle at the end?
8: Can you slide in on the.
0: Sure. <laughs>
8: sure. That would the, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> yes, please.
0: Lush. I look forward to it. So what you're about to hear, uh, Waffle Cats, is uh, a selection of some of the questions from uh, Matt's quiz. Um, apologies for the sort of rowdy noise in the background. This was going on from memory about nine o'clock at night. Uh, everybody's in good moods. Um, I'll play the questions. I'm gonna space them out a little bit and I'll put some music underneath so that you can have a bit of time to think about the answers. Um, uh, any issues with the questions? Uh, I would direct you to Matt. He is Bluebell Bushcraft. Please feel free to go and harass him because everybody harassed him in person. So we might as well add to that and do it virtually as well. Uh, I've not included the answers, so maybe you can send them straight to Matt and he'll enjoy going through that. Right? This one is
10: the international dial code for which two countries. Number four, the phase unit's measurement for length is meters, what is measured in moles? Number five, how many dots are there on a pair of dice? Number six, what do the letters A, B, B stand for? Number seven, what is typically the strongest muscle in the human body? Number eight, what is the currency in Ukraine? And number nine, in Morse code, what letter is represented by dash, dot, dash, dash? Number 10. Where might you find a sculpture? Number one. In which franchise would you find the Everdeen family? Number two. Who played the first televised James Bond? Number three. Which mischievous character from the Harry Potter books is omitted in the films? Number 4 Which book, written by Isaac Asimov, was turned into a blockbuster starring Will Smith? Number 5 How many films have been made so far from Tolkien's books about Hobbits? Number 6. Which actor played the voice of Aslan in the Narnia films? Number 7. Who plays Mr. Curry in the film versions of Paddington? Number 8. Who is the author of The Da Vinci Code? Number 9. Which two actors have played Willy Wonka in feature length films? And number 10, in which year was the first Twilight Saga movie released, based on the 2005 book by Stephanie Myers?
1: Sense that the listeners can't actually hear that there is a band playing in the background. Oh, they can
0: hear Do a band think, playing in the background because they can, can see the little bars. Look, even if we, down, if we don't talk, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Dirty old dude. <laughs> <Dirty old
0: dough. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, how's your day been, mate? My day's been Tell right, me about mate. your day. My day's
1: been great, mate.
0: We're How sat s- in the dark now.
1: We are sat in the dark underneath. Mighty oak tree
0: Under the big oak. Let's sing one song while there's another song in the background
1: Oh, oak, oak <laughs> of old.
0: Oh, the oak tree of oak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Tell me I'd about your day I'd say uh, if I'd say if I had to describe my day in two words Yeah My day is uh how, how i feel about my day its rechar- recharged and relaxed that's how oh. i feel about my day D- can i tell the listeners about my new jag of in the mor- okay especially at the time of year right mm-hmm. so change of the seasons it's first of october today i do believe or it might be the second i don't know it is first today so weird time everyone's feeling a bit jangly like i've lost count of the amount of people in my life who i know and care about who've gone like Oh, I'm just feeling a bit weird. Why is everything so hard? Everything's fucked up. And I think part of that is about the change of seasons and the sudden like loss of the light and all those things. And it just, just like shakes everything up and everyone mm-hmm. goes. Wah! And that's normal. And, um, and I like the thing that I've been inviting you to do you in the morning about like what are your like mantras? I don't even know if mantras is the right word, but like two words that you're channeling for your day. So if you're like doing forest school practice and you're just finding things a bit tough at the moment, like a time of change, maybe groups that have been like really easy and serene and lovely, playing in the woods in the summer sunshine, and now like a bit jangly, a bit tricky, people are working through some stuff. I found it so helpful to have these like two words to anchor to, which isn't necessarily how you feel at the start of the day, but it's how you want to be as a practitioner. So, so one of the days this week, my words were serene and calm, and yours were. Like in, think, control. in control and productive, yeah. Those are my th- yeah. The day before, it was like joy and joy and ease, or something, was my words so for the day yeah, before. Yeah. And I just find it really helped. And then I was like, and then I could use those to reflect back to through the day and go, Why am I doing this thing? This doesn't connect to the words. Yeah. I found myself like it's cleaning a worki- box,
0: working towards my and words. I was like,
1: Why so am I cleaning this box now? Like, it's just because it's there, and it's something to do, but it doesn't connect to my words right now. And what I want to be, and what I want to give to these other humans and more than human.
0: Mm. So you're things. today. You've been recharged so my day, and relaxed.
1: My words today, but that's from a reflective point of view. I oh, feel, okay. I feel I feel relaxed and recharged, which is always the thing about these kind of events. I think you think, oh God, you know, I've got to travel there, I've got to pack my stuff. Oh really? I've got to talk to those people I don't necessarily know. And then actually, it's like you said, a different type of rest.
9: Yeah. Time when you might
1: be tired. It's like a Recharging, restful, this is why I believe in this shit man, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, these other people are also doing the thing that we're doing.
0: Yeah, there's something, I don't know if we'll put it in, but Tim Gill was talking this morning about it's a mark of success when a movement has uh, disparity inside its own, like, practice. So he was saying, like... Did he
1: say that? He was saying that, like... it's a, at
0: that point? Okay, he was saying that, like, it's a mark of the success of, like, the feminism movement in that there are different views on what feminism looks like. Mm-hmm. And there's a... You know, and he was saying as much as it is difficult and sometimes challenging, it is a mark of how much forest school permeates things, that there are different... Ways I- of doing it. Ways of doing it and different interpretations. Um, and... I think in you the way you're saying like relaxing, there is something relaxing because you and I, we've got each other, man. But <laughs> but but day to day, we we don't have the money else. <laughs> no, um, you, we don't work in a school, is what I mean. We don't yeah. work with like a whole staff room to go and talk. You know, we have or a
5: big e- team
0: or a big team, and so they're like, Diaspora Forest School is coming together, and it's. It's easy in the sense of like you know everyone here at some level has the same educational views as you to, to a to a to yeah. a less, greater or lesser degree. But like yeah. that is quite relaxing. They value a lot
1: of the same things that you value. Yeah, so you don't, yeah, you can be quite yourself.
0: Yes, you don't be, have to mask yeah. all. Yeah. You know, there's bits of it that, that, that then that becomes easier. Yeah. And also seeing people and putting faces to mm. like things that you see online like projects that you've seen online or like people's thoughts that you've seen online you're like oh that's you're like you're the person behind those thoughts behind that project and like um
1: that's quite exciting and i think there's a thing about which i always forget i'm burping um the food is really good
0: food is cracking this year
1: um there's a thing which I always forget, which is that when I look at the conference blurb or any kind of thing like that, and there's like, oh, which workshops were I going to do? Oh, that one looks really interesting, that one looks really interesting. Oh, but maybe I won't do that because like, I think I already do a lot of that or I Mm -hmm. know a lot of that thing. And my first point is that actually you can book onto a workshop even if you think that you already do a lot of that thing or you know a lot of that stuff, because actually there is joy in just having two hours to wallow about in that thing mm. and really give it some headspace. And it's not necessarily about learning new things; it's just about like playing and gaining a new, you know, new depth to it, perhaps. And also that there is so much learning that happens that's nothing to do with the workshops. It's just while you might be like you know playing next to somebody tying knots on bits of wood which I was doing today which was hella fun but then you end up having a conversation with someone next to you and who goes oh yeah you know that thing you're like no what thing and they start thinking Mm. oh my god I'm going to look that up that sounds wicked oh you do that oh Oh, why didn't I think of that that's such a good idea to do the thing it's like invigorating yeah and just you get little sparky like moments I guess of like reflection on people's practice but not in a really like we're all going to sit down and reflect on our practice you're just like walking to get a sandwich with somebody and they're like oh yeah you know that thing you said about working with five year olds actually I found this like little hack for that and you're like oh yeah
0: would you say, I was thinking earlier, that I think one of the reasons that our podcast works and, like, the interview stuff works is the same reason that this, there's, one, there's, like, a crossover here between why it's great to meet and talk to people at the conference, which is, like... Do you
1: think our podcast works?
0: Let, let me get to the end. <laughs> because there's, like, the juicy bit is not necessarily the direct... the first direct answer to the question. The juicy bit comes in the chat when you unpick the answer and that's why I think what we do on the podcast works because we're trying to answer the thing you're pointing because the fire's being lit yes. over there we'll go and explore the fire in a bit shall we yeah
1: definitely get some crackly um, sounds on the...
0: but yeah so that stuff that you might get an immediate answer you could ask the same questions and talk about the same subjects mm-hmm. on a Facebook group or mm-hmm. on a something you know, but like actually the meaty bit is like once you've said the initial like I think it's this Oh, right, that's kind of interesting. And why do you do that? I know why they would do do. Like, that stuff afterwards is the bit where you get, I get really, like, jazzed up, and you get into the nitty-gritty, and you actually understand yeah. other human beings and how they work yeah. And, yeah. and all and those things. And it's nice also
1: being the other side of that and, go, and someone going, sorry, you mentioned that thing about the thing. What was that, what was that song you were talking yes. about? Oh, that book. Can yes. you tell me? And then you tell them, and then you really honestly feel like you've given them a great birthday present. And they're mm. like thanks for that. I'm really excited about looking at that. And you're like it's my pleasure. And you get a little reciprocal kind of Yeah. Jazz. I like that. Jazz up. It's, it's a like a bring like
0: jazz. a bring and share. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: yes.
0: Everybody brings all their podi- pedagogy yeah. and everybody shares all their pedagogy. Yeah.
1: Uh it's for the meter market. Just
0: bring your <laughs> you <laughs> nearly said you know, bring your crap. No, I didn't. I was like, uh, I was, nearly said bring your crap.
1: I didn't. I didn't. I <laughs> genuinely was talking, and then I heard them start this song, and I was like, I know this song.
0: Did you say you played this at your wedding? I did play this at my wedding. Hmm. It's The ultimate wedding song. And the old Bobby Davro. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Davro. Bobby Davro. Bobby Davro. <laughs> that one. You don't know that one? Uh, no. <laughs> That's no, a word, mate. I make. don't
1: think I do. <laughs> I'm amazed you know who Bobby Dafro is. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just random sounds to you. i <laughs> And then you go, Bobby Dafro. Yeah. Bobby Dafro.
0: The, the sound. I just learned phonically. Ah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I've had a very interesting day. I've had a very, like, I, I, on the surface, I feel like I had a body. So, last up, we've got a recording of uh, Sarah Knight's speech, which she delivered on Sunday morning. Um, Great speech, all talking about um, Sarah's work, and uh, sorry, I should say Dr. Sarah Knight, uh, who uh, is talking about her PhD work. Um, In the middle, she talks about men falling at her feet, which is because I had tried to be helpful because the microphone was singing, and so I jumped in to go and play with all the audio things and uh, what i hadn't realized was that uh myself and uh nick were basically bent over with our bums up in front of the whole crowd so uh yeah that's what you get for being helpful but the rest of sarah's speech is um amazing and uh, really inspiring and uh, i hope you have enjoyed hearing these little clips of the conference um do think about coming next year if you can it's really great to meet up and meet all the sort of um Varying people that are doing forest school work and all coming together in this like communal space, Um, it's really really great. And I know if Wem was um, well enough to be doing this uh, audio as well, she would be saying the same thing. Um, And I wasn't there, but I want to say a special thanks to whoever. Somebody sang to Wem. Somebody came up to Wem and started singing her Song Wars song. Check it, check it, check it again. And uh, she was beside herself with happiness. She came up and told me. And, uh, yeah, she was very, very happy. So, um, yeah, think about coming next year. It's cool. And, uh, yeah, enjoy this speech from Sarah. And I hope you've uh, enjoyed the whole thing. Bye.
6: contribution to knowledge. You have to work out something that nobody else has worked out before. Um, And I did it by um, PhD by prior publication, which meant going back over my publications for the last 10 years and contextualising them with other people's writing and drawing out from them what it is that I hadn't picked up the first time when I scribbled them which you can do. Um, I have to say it's not the easiest method, but it's the quickest method of doing a PhD. So, um, what I've done, I've looked at the the lessons that I learned, and there's a lot of rich lessons that I'd like to share with you, um, and that's why I called this talk Back to the Future. Nick said, is that about DeLorean cars? No, it's not about cars. (laughs) It's not about sci-fi. It's about looking back at at what I've done, and. What the lessons are for the future. So, first lesson: none of us would be here today if we didn't think that everybody benefits. This is too loud, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's singing slightly. Okay, okay. Um, um, yeah, uh, it's un—but it's unlikely to be embraced by policymakers and educators at a higher level without hard evidence of benefits from a strong theoretical foundation. We've got the evidence. You look at the lists of papers in the history tent, there are loads of people who have collected evidence um, from the benefits of forest school. It's not helped by the fact that some researchers call what they're looking at forest school when it isn't, and some people who are looking at things and don't call it forest school when it is. For example, I asked Tim Waller way back when he and I were both working at the same university why his paper, The Trampoline Tree and the 18-Headed Monster, didn't reference forest school. And he said, oh well, all the forest school sessions I've seen, the teachers have told the children what to do. My session, what I was observing, was free play. Now that was before the six principles were agreed and I think that's a big difference. But it does mean that if you are reading papers, think wide, then work out whether it actually references what it is that, um, it, it, whether it applies to you or not. So um, some researchers, researchers in their papers have made strong theoretical links, um, not all of them. So why aren't the powers that be beating a path to our door Um, to integrate forest school into the lived experience of the rest of the population. Well, in part, it's to do with the nature of the research that we do and the way in which policy is developed in the UK. (laughs) Men at my feet. (laughs) I experienced some of both, um, including contributing to a policy breakfast at the House of Commons. <laughs> Have you finished? <laughs> I did. Uh, yes, it's the fact that you
7: experienced both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 <laughs> both. Uh,
6: no. Yes. Contributing to policy and the nature of research. So I went to a policy breakfast at the House of Commons, that was daunting. I had discussions with researchers from the Department of Education, That was dispiriting. Um, A policy is, on the whole, developed very quickly from easily accessible data that fits the general trend of a government in power. That doesn't help. Anything that doesn't conform to that direction of travel needs numbers. Lots of them. Which are typically found in sciences where researchers, largely but not exclusively, undertake quantitative research, quantitative key in the word, um, and we don't tend to do that. Well, you just look at the paper that Richardson and uh, Professor Richardson and his colleagues from the University of Derby produced in 2020. Um, the numbers in that are phenomenal. It's about nature connection, so it has relevance, but it's not about forest school. We don't tend to do that. The closest I've ever come to it was my uh, 2019 paper with Graham Arnold who was very good at translating num- uh, what I discovered into pretty pictures and graphs and tables and things. Um, that helps those who are higher up the food chain to take have a glance at it and quickly grasp the facts, which is what they're likely to do. They'll glance at the figures and then they'll pass it on to a minion to develop a paragraph in a white paper or whatever it is. So it's got to be instantly accessible if it's new. It doesn't matter if it's not new, and I'll go on to that in a second. If you read most of our research, it's qualitative. It's case studies. It's records of projects. It's um, oh, ethnographies. It's a real rich wealth of lived experience, meticulously charting the real record, records of progress made by individuals on their forest school journeys. Stuff you have to read, and digest, and appreciate, and think about, and it's usually done by recording the experiences of small numbers of participants, so not easily counted like buttons, and not very many buttons when you can can count them. That's why Nick has been slaving away to get an app developed to enable all of you to record and dump the data where postgrad people who are doing their masters, their PhDs, or whatever, who are also forest law practitioners, and there are a number in the room here, um, can access that data and create something that enables us to set out the pretty patterns in nice patterns, so we can influence the policy makers. It's not to advocate abandoning the aforementioned rich data. Because that comes into play once the super-tanker of state policy has turned. We need both, but we need numbers first. Point one. What else is missing, and what my thesis set out to do very much, is to present a coherent overview of the relevant theoretical perspectives and synthesise them into a credible theoretical framework. Sunday morning, and I can say that sounds.
5: <laughs> 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 <Hey. laughs>
6: One key I do believe is um, in doing that is interdisciplinarity. In my search for the complete theoretical framework for forest school, I've read work by academics and research, researchers from a wide range of disciplines: philosophy, education, psychology, health, art, sociology, theology, biology, etc., etc. All contribute. Valuable insights into why we do what we do. I've explored their different and separate ideas in my writings, but I concluded that it's when these ideas come together that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, as Aristotle once said. Spoke to himself. (laughs) (laughs) By contrast, the papers I reviewed in my thesis sometimes have a degree of multidisciplinary perspective in them. And that is, each person is still looking at Ferris School through a single lens, but they are talking to each other. Um, if, they, if they are only looking through a single lens, and most research is just from one lens, it might be education, it might be um, a PE, it might be all sorts of different things, they tend not, the researcher tends not to value the aspects of the practice than, than, than another
8: person would.
6: So, an early years practitioner might be looking at the way it encourages language development. Um, a PE teacher might be looking at the way it increases um, people's physical abilities. All sorts of things like that. But they don't look at each other's perspective, and so they miss bits. They miss bits of the importance of the philosophy they might miss out the, the psychological and biological value of attachment that can only come from experience that takes place over time. I think that's a key one. Um, a guy called Burton, who was researching in the medical concept, concept, context, thank you, um, produced a paper with colleagues in 2019 where he called this multidisciplinary convergence insufficiency. I think it's a lovely term. It's a term that's actually borrowed from ophthalmic medicine, because where your eyes don't work properly. You don't see things clearly. I think it's a lovely idea. So he proposed a complex systems theory in which collaborators from different disciplines undertake a process before they start their research to align their thoughts and ideas and, and discuss the different perspectives before they actually start a body of research. That really looks hard. <laughs> and I haven't tried it yet. But I do think it's way to go. I can think that it that, that would really produce some really rich research that way. Um, if we could converge <coughs> our research in Forest School, the, fighting, the findings could be really powerful. For example, you've got Dewey with experiential outdoor learning, Piaget, Vygotsky and Bruner in education, Foucault in philosophy, Hart from Playwork, all say similar things about the Benefits of people having agency over their own experiences. If you mix up theories about attachment from Wilson, from biology, from Winnicott in early years, Harrison in geography, Watcho and Brown in outdoor adventure learning, Jung um, from psychology, we find that humans and the planet are healthier if we feel an attachment to a natural place that it is in turn part of our self identity. We could look at other themes like that. They'll be susceptible to a similar approach. Um, maybe the relevance of trees to human well-being, the role of play in personal development, the central importance of engagement with issues around sustainability, the importance of nature connection. All of those things are susceptible to that. So in my head, the theoretical picture of Forest School resembles very much the wood wide web with the tree of forest school being nurtured by the nutrients of a rich mycorrhizal micro- uh, network of interdisciplinary research and thought. This gestalt image creates a more complex and complete picture of forest school and its place in the forest of outdoor learning. I think it's important at this point, Juncture, to point out all trees are lovely, all trees have their place. And so it is, there are other trees in the Outdoor Learning Forest that all have value and a role to play. When we first came together to form the National Forest School Group in the early noughties, we did so under the umbrella of the Institute for Outdoor Learning. We were the Forest School Special Interest Group, just one of many special interest groups. They're now called professional communities. And where those communities do not want or do not have the resources to become independent, in the way that the FSA has become, they are still under that IOL umbrella, just as the nature premium um, movement is now. And indeed, we still contract IOL to deliver some of our admin tasks, and many forest school members are also members of IOL, particularly those whose initial training was in other areas of um, outdoor learning. And there are overlaps, obviously with bushcraft, but with other trees in the forest. And just as trees can share mycorrhizal nutrients, so can we. So if you find that your practice aligns with a different tree in the forest, accept that. Be proud of what you do. All the trees have a role, be they environmental education, field studies, bushcraft, horticulture, earth education, adventurous activities, da-da-da-da-da. Call it what it is. Don't try and squeeze what isn't into Forest School. Uh, be proud of what you do. Forest School adheres to the six principles and if you haven't got those tattooed on your soul, please do so immediately. <laughs> 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 they represent the collective heart searching with the Forest School community of a hu- in a huge project, started in about 2010, went through to about 2012. Um, Working together to decide what it is that we do in our sessions, which are all so very different but that enable us to deliver very similar outcomes regardless of who we are and who we're working with. It was an extremely powerful bit of collective soul-searching by a community that had grown from the roots up with no imposed, top-down definitions. The six principles were not imposed, they were debated and agreed. And the bottom-up nature of forest school is a great strength. It should never be overlooked. I even found a theoretical expression from the way in which it created, what, in way it created how we developed forest school from its original idea imported in 1993. It is social constructionism. Those of you who are early years trained will be familiar with social constructivism from Vygotsky and others, sharing ideas about the more knowledgeable other, about learning in social groups. And that is where knowledge is socially constructed by more able others, sharing, leading, instructing consciously. Social constructionism is more of a subconscious process, where gatherings of people who share the same goal unconsciously align Um, their their shared knowledge and experience, and make assumptions that become true through their debates and usage and practice. So when those of us who met together in the late 1990s and early noughties, we had all been interpreting Forest School in our own individual ways, according to our own prior knowledge and our experiences. And we met in this funny little church hall in Birmingham, under the auspices of the Forestry Commission, who were very, very supportive at the time, and in those um, meetings, we, while we debated the national framework we wanted to achieve, we, at an unconscious level, we were sharing and aligning our belief systems about forest school. We had made assumptions, and through our discussions, we then made those assumptions a reality. And since then, we've had and regionally and nationally that continue this process, like today, like this weekend. And more recently, the process has been extended to webinars and online forums. We come together, feel to a greater or lesser extent part of a tribe, Um, we overtly share knowledge, skills, stories, and covertly continue to shape and mold what Forest School is, and what the FSA is. So recognizing the importance of social constructionism and an interdisciplinary approach to research has really informed my thinking about the origins and the development of Forest School. Forest School has been co-constructed over 20 years by practitioners, including myself, into a new identifiable way of working outside. Together we developed the six principles and they capture the vision of Forest School that's still relevant and referenced today. You can see it in, in the papers from 2020-2021 listed in the history tent. And we are getting tantalisingly close to being able to evidence that when all six principles are integrated in a Forest School setting, the outcomes are greater than in a comparable setting where one of them is not being adhered to. A quick overview gives us a clue as to why this is the case. Okay. Exploring the disciplines of psychology, anthropology, biology, and human development will give us clues as to why the long-term principle is related to attachment and all the benefits that accrue from a secure sense of identity and belonging to brain changes, neural pathways that take time to myelinize and shape our patterns of behavior. This whole area of attachment and how it feeds from earliest to outdoor learning together is really fascinating me Um, one I'd like to research further and I've been speaking to two people in the room just now who are about to do a master's and a PhD on very allied subjects which is just great. The more data we get out there the better. Um, I feel I've only touched the surface of a well of fundamental truths around that area. Then we get on to trained leaders who have both the knowledge and the skills needed to work with their groups. They've been through a rigorous process of equalising their skills. Teachers learn about bushcraft, forest rangers learn about home and human development, etc. And like driving a car, that is enough to make you safe in the woods. Ongoing CPD will develop your understanding and skill set and turn you into a good forest school practitioner. While not wanting to exclude those who cannot work in deep forest, we acknowledge the spiritual and psychological power of the interaction between humans and trees. It's no coincidence that every major faith on Earth has a tree in its story somewhere. Fortunately for the very young, even a small plant of trees is very impressive. Education philosophers from Socrates to Pelosi, Dewey, Piaget, Vygotsky and Brunner, other pioneers of playwork, such as Husinger and our own Bob Hughes, agree that the person-centred, person-centred processes create the best community for being, developing and learning. The learning is much more likely to be holistic, rounded and complete if we hand the locus of control to the participants, even if it requires conventionally trained teachers and instructors to sit on their hands. Invited, participate. (laughs) Closely allied to being person centered, is facilitating risk taking. Risks appropriate to the participant, the location, and to the skills of the leader, which is usually more critical than the (laughs) other two. But skills that will develop resilience and confidence. The six principles help synthesise pedagogical and practical approaches originating in different disciplines to create an interdisciplinary foundation for forest school in the UK. They wrap round the differences, like the bark of a tree, holding it together. And um, this binding together ensures the quality of forest school delivery, and thus the achievement of those identified outcomes, which we've got the evidence for. In my last chapter of the thesis, I drew conclusions about the importance of forest school as an intervention for a modern multicultural society, post-COVID, and in a climate emergency. Recent research describes the emotional and cognitive benefits for engaging with a natural space over time. In a post-COVID world, which is also dealing with a climate crisis, having a strong connection to nature will give school participants a greater sense of well-being, as well as more determination to act to preserve the planet the need to promote pro-environmental behavior by connecting people with nature is relevant both for their well-being and for the health of the planet. Forest school practitioners embrace a natural connection that sees humans as part of nature, not separate from it, addressing the problem of what Kahn called environmental gener- generational amnesia. In addition, I view the purpose of education as about sustaining the individual, society, and the planet, and forestall as an effective way to do that. This is closer to the worldview of indigenous cultures, who are more likely to recognize that deep interconnectedness of all life. And I won't even touch on the socioeconomic pressures heading our way this winter. Lent is not alone in suggesting the focus of modern society needs to be more on GNH, gross national happiness, and less on GNP, gross national product. The World Happiness Report is produced annually by an offshoot of the UN. Consistently places the Scandinavian countries in the top 10. In 2022, Finland came top, followed by Denmark, and then Iceland. And this is where the roots of forest school lie. As I continue to engage with the Forest School community, I can see that the views of Forest School practitioners shape and modify Forest School Where we meet together and share our values and ideas, which is consistent with social constructionism. So chaps, it's up to you now. Over to you to shape the next 10
8: years of the Forest School Association.